Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Well, good morning, church. Good morning again. It is always a blessing to come and share God's Word with you. And uh, as our um, brother and elder Bruno read, if you can open your Bibles to Colossians, we're in chapter 3. And um, I'd like to begin uh, this message by asking you a personal uh, but rhetorical question. Okay, are you ready? Okay, here it is. What are you thinking about. Okay, now, now, it's a rhetorical question. Don't answer. Okay, I don't want to, I'm nervous to hear your answers. But what are you thinking about? Let me give you some options. Perhaps your mind is not even here. Let's be honest, right? Sometimes we're at church, but our mind is not here. We're drifting back to the past week. Maybe some fun thing you did or, or something you purchased that you're excited about. Or maybe you skip breakfast. Anyone skip breakfast this morning? Yeah, it's early, right? 9 a.m. Skip breakfast so your mind is focused on what am I going to eat for lunch? And how long is this sermon going to keep me from lunch, right? Or maybe um, your thoughts are consumed by some kind of stressor in your life. Uh, We all have things that are stressing us out. Maybe it's a health concern. Maybe it's an exam that you have coming up if you're a student. Um, or a job issue, or financial strain, or a relationship thing that's got you anxious, or worried, or, or down. Whatever it may be, our thoughts are very powerful, aren't they? Our thoughts are, I think we underestimate how powerful our thoughts can be. You know, depending on the day, your thoughts can completely, drastically change your whole mood. Have you ever had it where um, you'll hear a piece of news or you'll see something that just sticks in your mind and your whole day changes? Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me. Either you become so demotivated by that thought that you can't even get out of bed in the morning um, or it's such a positive thought that you can't keep from smiling ear to ear. Our thoughts greatly influence us. They influence us greatly. You know, in medicine, we actually use this influence of your thoughts um, to help treat mental health. And some of you may know this, but if you have generalized anxiety um, or if you have depression, uh, we recommend a therapy known as cognitive behavior therapy. Has anyone heard of this? CBT, cognitive behavior. Basically, the point is a therapist will sit down with you and try to identify what are the automatic thoughts that come into your mind which are most affecting your mood, which ultimately determines your behavior. So cognitive behavior therapy. So over these many sessions, what the therapist will do is they will help you to try to uh, catch these negative, harmful thoughts and break the cycle. Like stop the thoughts from affecting your mood, which in turn affects your 
behaviors. Because you see, whether you realize it or not, there is a battle raging for your thoughts. There, even right now, as you're listening to this sermon, there are a million other things that are vying for your thoughts, for your attention right now. And advertisers know this really well. They, they know that if they can get into your head, if they can just plant that thought um, that you are incomplete without the latest gadget. I brought, I brought this brand new, look at this. It's got a phone. It's a phone with a camera on the back, on the front, and on the sides. So you can take sides. I'm kidding, obviously, right? Some of you are looking at me like, okay, where do I get this? No, please. But advertisers know that, it, I know some of you are asking, okay, is it a Best Buy? No, it's, I'm just, I just made it up. Because the point, it, advertisers know if they can get into your head, they can get you to open your wallet. What's my point? Your thought life matters. It matters because it influences your heart, which in turn affects the whole course of your life. So as we come to Colossians chapter 3, Paul's letter is doing a, a huge shift now. If you remember in the last couple of weeks, we've been, we've been in chapter 2, and Paul has been refuting all these false um, doctrines, right? All these uh, false teachers and saying, no, salvation is by Christ alone, nothing else. It's by Jesus alone. And he's been establishing that. But now in chapter 3, he's switching to tell the church in Colossae, how should you live? Now that you are united to Christ, how should you live? That's a switch that's happening now in this chapter. And what better place to begin to teach someone how to live than to begin with their thought life, their thought life. And that's what Paul does. So I should warn you, this is not a sermon about how you should behave. Sometimes we come to church thinking, okay, just tell me what I got to do. What do I have to do? How do I have to change my life? Paul is not concerned with how you change your life in these four verses we're going to look at. He is concerned with your mind, with your thought life. And here's the big idea um, that's going to come up on the screen. Um, if there's nothing else you remember, I hope you remember this. The big idea is this. When you focus your mind on Christ and not on earthly things, it will affect your heart. Your heart will experience a security and a hope that you have never known. And this is what changes your life. Does that make sense? That is the big idea. That's what we're going to work our way through. Um, so with that introduction, I'm just going to pray once again and settle our hearts as we dive into the text. Let's pray. Oh, Father, I thank you that you have given us your word. And I know, God, that I am not the person to preach a message like this. Because, God, you and I know that um, I find it difficult, O Lord, to set my mind on you always. I do set my mind on earthly things. And so I pray, O God, that you will help me and help each one of my brothers and sisters, Lord. This message is for your people. And I, I believe, O God, that you are going to take your word and you're going to change how we think. So I pray that you do that and help us to leave this message um, with a new thought life, with a new thought life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So again, we're in Colossians 3. If you need a Bible, let us know and we'll get you one. 
I, I threw that on the ushers last minute, but we can. If anyone needs a Bible, please let us know. Um, but, but the text will come up on the screen as well. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. Let's take a look. Here's how Paul begins. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ. Remember, he's speaking to the saints, right? The believers, the church in Colossae, just like us. We're believers. He's speaking to them. He says, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So this is where Paul begins. So if you want to change your thought life this morning, this is what Paul needs you to recognize or to remember first, that you have been raised with Christ. Now, he's speaking to believers, right? So I know we're not all believers here, but, but, but this message is first and foremost for the believers. This is what God has done. You have been raised with Jesus Christ. And, and that word if, you see if at the beginning of verse 1? You see if? It's not a... Um, if you've been raised or if you haven't been raised. He's not doubting them. He, that word actually translates as since. He's saying, since you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. He's not doubting us. So what does it mean to be raised with Christ? This is important, and I love the song that was sung at the beginning, I will rise, right? I will rise with Christ. What does that mean? Because if you're a Christian, where are you right now? You're physically here, right, on this earth. You're with, like, we see each other, right? We're here physically. But spiritually, you have been raised. And this is a reality that I think we need to dwell on for a moment. Look at this passage, Ephesians 2, verses 4 to 5. Now, you guys, you, most of you who are believers, you know this passage. This is the gospel. It says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, what did He do? Even when you were dead in your sins... Dead in your trespasses, he made you alive together with Christ. And why did he do it? By his grace. It's undeserved, right? So up until now, you know all of this, right? Most of you are nodding. You're okay, that's the gospel. That's basic Christianity 101. But now look what happens in verse 6. What happens to your position? Look at this. And raised us up with him, with Christ, and seated us with Christ in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know if you've, you've ever dwelled on this, but what this is saying, Paul is saying, God has raised you up and seated you today in the spiritual high places with Christ. That is your position. Even though you are physically here, spiritually, that's where you are. Isn't that incredible? This is where you are. If you're a believer, this is where God sees you. And while you're physically on this earth, what is Jesus doing for you while he's up there in heaven? Look at this next passage, Romans 8, uh, 34. Jesus, who's at the right hand of God, is interceding for you. Okay, so here you are trying to live a godly life. You're trying to walk in the right way. It's hard, but you have Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of God, the Father, interceding for you, which means he's intervening on your behalf. He is intervening on your behalf. And, and even though today you're physically here and you're spiritually you're there, one day 
you will spiritually and physically be there. You'll be seated on the throne with Christ. Now, that's, I'm not just saying that. That's, that's what the Bible says. Look at this, Revelation 3.21. We have to take the Bible at its word. It says, the one who conquers, Jesus says this, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. That's where you're headed one day. That's where you're going to, you, you're going to be seated with Christ on his throne. He died for your sins, and now he's been raised to a new position where he is intervening on your behalf. And now, and one day you're going to be there in that position. I don't think we, we get how this affects our thought life. If this is your new position, just, just, just follow me for a minute. If this is your new position where God sees you today, how should your thought life be? If this is how God sees you, and this is where you're going to be one day, this is your identity. This is your new identity. You have a new nature that is free from the control of sin. You have a new mind. Do you know that when you, before you came to Christ, if, you, if anyone here is a non-believer or you're a natural, you, you're, you don't believe this, you know the Bible is foolishness to you. And to those of you who are believers, sometimes you forget this, but at one time, you couldn't even understand this. Why? Because this is spiritually discerned, right? You need to have spiritual life in order to discern the things of God. That's what the Bible says. And you have that. If you're a believer, you have that now. So, so just like, you know when you get a new job? When you get a new job, you have a new boss, right? And from that new boss, you have new things you have to do. You have new assignments, new tasks, new, a new role. Just like that, when you have been raised with Christ, you have a new thing to seek. You, don't, you can't seek the same things. You can't do your old job. Here, you're in, you're in your new job. You have new things that you seek. So that word seek, if you look at verse 1, that word seek, in some of your translations, it may not say seek, it might say keep seeking. Does anyone have that? In the NASB translation, it says keep seeking. Because that word seek actually is in the present tense. It's not a one-time, okay, I sought that day and now I'm good for life. It's not like that. The actual understanding is keep seeking, which means this is a daily, continual pattern for the Christian. You don't just seek God one time at a camp and say a prayer and then you're good for good, good. No, no, you keep seeking every day. And so I want to I wanna give you some test questions, okay? And, and this is not to make you feel guilty, but if you feel guilty, it's probably your fault. But, but that's, that's not why I'm saying it, okay? Here are some test questions. In the last week, today is August 7th, 8th. In the last week, since August 1st till August 1st was our anniversary, so I can think, okay, seven days, okay? Last week, how often have you sought the kingdom of God and His righteousness first, meaning over your needs? How often? In the last seven days, okay? In the last seven days, the things you accomplished, all the things you, 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 you accomplished on your task list, um, do you count those things as rubbish compared to knowing Jesus, compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. In the past seven days, each day have you increased in your knowledge of God? Increased in your knowledge of God. These are all from Scripture. 
This is what it means to seek. If you are seeking something, this is what it looks like. And here's the reason we should seek. It's given in verse 1. Tell me, where is Christ right now? Where is He? Verse 1, uh, Colossians 3, verse 1, where is He? At the right hand of God. That is the position of highest authority, dominion, power, majesty, dignity in the universe. That's where Jesus is. Far above all rule and authority. He is above every name that is named in this age and in the one to come. All things are under his feet. He is head over all things to the church, us. He is all in all. This is who Jesus is, church. This is who he is. He is so far above you and me. So what's my point? If that's who Jesus is, and if you say he's your Lord, how can he not be the focus of your thoughts? He is so far above our petty things that bother us day by day. How, like, how can we continue to let our mind revolve around me and my issues and my trivial concerns when you say, that's your Lord? That's who He is? So high and exalted? How can you not help but be consumed by thoughts of Christ seated in heaven? There's a, um, a commentator by the name of Matthew Henry, and he wrote this. This is a beautiful quote. If you want a quote, here it is. He says, We must mind the concerns of another world more than the concerns of this one. Think about that. It's true. If you're a Christian, you are minding the concerns of another world, another world, more than the concerns of this now, how, how do we do this, okay? How do we practically, how do we actually seek God? Well, well, Paul spells it out in verse 2. Look at verse 2, Colossians 3. What does it say? It says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So he says, here's how you seek. You want to know how to seek? He says, set your mind on things that are above. So set your mind means think about those things. Think about them. Feel and, and, and direct your thoughts towards heaven like a compass, okay? You're a compass pointing north so that your whole intellect, your whole disposition, your whole meditation is on Christ and things above. That's what he's saying. And to help us do this, to help us understand this, he teaches us by telling us what not to do. Do you know sometimes it's easier to know what to do when someone tells you what not to do, Right? <laughs> And that's what Paul does here. To make it clear, he tells us, what should you not set your mind on? He says, do not set your mind on the things that are, what? On earth. Yeah, on earth. On earth. Earthly things. So what are earthly things? Earthly things are the things that don't last. Okay? These are the everyday things um, that too often occupy our minds. And I want to give you a list. And as I list these, remember at the beginning I asked you, what are you thinking about? I asked you that question. Probably as I go through this list, one of these is going to ring a bell. And you're going to be, oh, that's what I was thinking about actually. Right? I'm going to give you this list. This is, just, this is not comprehensive. but So some of the things that could consume your thoughts. What shall I eat? Right? Remember the lunch thing? <laughs> what shall I drink? 
What should I wear to church? That's what you were thinking about this morning, right? What should I wear? Um, what new gadget should I buy, right? Or, 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 or is, it, is it true? Is there really a phone out there with the side cameras? Because I would love that, right? Some of, the, some of you guys are thinking of that. What new guy? And then things of earth also include sinful things, right? So our thoughts could be consumed with pornography. Our thoughts could be consumed with lust, right? Sexually impure thoughts, that happens. Or even anger, pride. These are also things of earth. But things of earth are not just sinful things. Things of earth can also be, um, quote-unquote, good things things that are even necessary. Look at this. What about your spouse? Do you know that there's no marriage in heaven? Do you know that? That's another sermon. Do you know that? There's no, there's, right? What about your children? What about your friends? How often do your thoughts revolve around your friends or your career or your job, right? Or your grades if you're a student? How, how focused are you on your grades? Perhaps you're focused on your car or your house or some renovations that you're doing. Or maybe it's an event that you're planning, right? Or you have a wedding coming up and you're planning that or, or you have a vacation you're looking forward to. Some of us are consumed with thoughts for our favorite sports team. I'm guilty too, right? Looking up on the Raptors all the time. That can, what about movies? How much time do you spend on Netflix every day, right? Watching Netflix or watching movies or, or listening to music. What about your bank account? Do your thoughts often go back to your bank account? I see some people checking the stock market. Like every few minutes, they're checking, the, checking their stocks to see how it's doing. That can consume our thoughts. What about what people think of you? Is that ever, does that ever thought come to your mind? What, what do people think of me here at church? What, what do they think of me? What do, what do the people at work think of me? What, what about on social media? What do they think of me? Um, and as I, make, as, as I list all these things... You may be thinking to yourself, well, hang on, those aren't all bad, right? Like, I got to eat. Some of them are necessary. I got to eat. I got to drink. I got to... And you're right. Some of those things are necessary, but there is a way to think about this earth. There is a way. I want to show you this in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Here's what Paul says. He says, whether you eat or you drink, whatever you're doing, he says, do it all to the glory of God. Do all of it, even the earthly things you have to do, do them to the glory of God so that now actually when you're doing the earthly thing, it is actually a thing from above. I want to give you an example. You can enjoy that meal today at lunch giving thanks to God. How many people we know or, or we've heard of in other countries or even here who don't have food to eat? So you can give thanks to God. You can even plan an event, right? Gathering your friends together with the intention that you want to love them and draw them to Christ, right? Some of you are in wedding planning. You can do that. And I know many of you think like that, which is great. You can even watch a movie, right? And we can sit down with our friends or with our family. We can watch a movie. And afterwards, we can pray about what that movie depicted about human nature. And I know some of you are thinking, Ugh, praying after watching a movie. I'm serious. I'm ser you know, a couple of weeks ago, we watched um, Hotel Rwanda. Have you guys, some of you, yeah, you've watched it, right? And after we watched that movie, we sat, we prayed. We said, God, thank you that one day you are coming to vanquish evil like this from the world. Thank you that you have saved, forgive these, these people for what they have done. Bring about healing for those who have lost so much. 
right? Because the things of earth should actually point us and make us think about God if we are setting our mind on Him. But there is an even more subtle but profound point here in verse 2. Look back at verse 2 for a moment. Sorry, uh, Andy, thank you. Look at this verse carefully. He says, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. If you look at this verse, how many categories are there? Just two, right? There's no other third category. Or There's only two categories. What does that mean? That means that the more time you spend thinking about the things of earth, the less you will spend thinking of heaven where Christ is. That's what it means, right? If there's only two categories, the more time you spend focused on the things of earth, the less time you will spend thinking of things above. And here's a sobering test. If you want another test, here it is, okay? If I were to print out all of your thoughts in the last 24 hours, what time is it? 9.40? From 9.40 a.m. or whatever, I can't even see. 9.30 a.m. yesterday, August 7th, to 9.30 a.m. August 8th, today, in the last 24 hours, if I printed out every single one of your thoughts and grouped them into two categories, things of earth and things above, which column would exceed the other? And by how much? And by how much? Because you see, church, that is where your focus lies. You can, you can try and tell me I'm a Christian, my mind is focused on Christ, but does the record really show that? Does it? And if we can be honest for a moment, as I went through that list of examples, okay, your job, your career, what people think of you, right, all those, that whole list, are those not the very thoughts that cause anxiety in your life? Be honest your house, right, your bank account, are those not the things that actually make you feel anxious, worried, and depressed? They are. They are. As, you, as an example, when you scroll through social media, right, and you're looking at um, other people and their things of earth, the things that, that they have, and you compare yourself to them, does that not leave you feeling insecure? Hmm? Unfulfilled? Hopeless? Because you see, Christian, you were never meant to focus on those things. You were never meant to focus on those things. Romans 12, 2, we are not to be conformed to this world, but be renewed, but transformed by the renewal of our minds. We're not supposed to be like this world. Philippians 1, the Christian's desire is not to be here. This is not it for us. The desire is to depart this world and to be with Christ, for that is far better. 1 John 2, 15 to 17, the Christian doesn't love this world. Flat out, he says it bluntly. We don't love this world and we don't love the things in this world. Now, don't get me wrong. We love people, right? Christians, we love people and we care for the environment. But we, don't, we know this world is passing along with its desires. So we don't love the world that way. So what do, the Christ, what do Christians focus on? Philippians 4, verse 8. We focus on, our thoughts are on whatever is true. What is true? What is honorable? What is just and pure and lovely and commendable? If there's anything excellent or worthy of praise, these are the things we think about. Do you know why? Because if you're a true Christian, you know this world is not your ultimate home. 
Some of us, we think like, okay, I'm going to buy this house and have this land and this is going to be my home. It's not if you're a Christian. You're just passing through. The Bible says we're like strangers, exiles. Our citizenship is not here. You're a refugee here. Your citizenship is in heaven where God has prepared a place for us. That is the focus of a true Christian's thought life. That should be the focus. And if that's not true of you, and I have to be honest, as I said when I prayed, that's not true of me always. It's not. Be honest, right? We can be honest with each other. I struggled with how I'm going to preach this to you. But Paul wants to help us change our thinking. And to change your thinking, he's going to give us the reason why you should change. Okay? Instead of telling you, change your thinking, he's going to give you the reason why. Here's the reason why. Look at verse 3. He says, for you have died. There's the reason. Why should you set your mind on things above and not on things of earth? Because you have died to the things of earth. The you that once was, that you, you once were, that no longer exists anymore. You're not that person anymore. That's what I'm trying to tell you as a Christian. Those thoughts don't define you. If you are still a non-Christian living in this world, then all the things we listed earlier, those examples, that would define you, right? That, that, and if you know non-Christians, or if you're a non-Christian here today, those are the thoughts that consume your mind, right? All the things we listed, you know, your job and your spouse and all these things, retirement. But by God's grace, if you're a true Christian, you know those are not the things that define you anymore. And I want to show you this. This is really subtle, but it's, but it's powerful. Look at verse 1 again of Colossians 3. Paul first said in, in verse 1 that you have been raised with Christ. Do you remember that? He said you've been raised with Christ, right? But if you remember the events in Jesus' life, his death on the cross, Good Friday, happened before his resurrection on Easter Sunday. Now, I'm not trying to insult your intelligence, right? You know this, right? But I think the order is so important. Because in order for you to be raised with Christ, meaning for you to even be a Christian, you must first, what? Die with Christ. You can't say, I'm raised, if you haven't died first. And that's what Paul is saying, Romans uh, 6, verse 4. He says, we were buried with Christ into death first, just as, so that just as Christ was raised, we too might walk in newness of life. So if you are in Christ, the old you has passed away. It's passed away. It's gone. That's not you anymore. You've died to that. Sin is not your master anymore. Your eyes have been opened right? If you're a Christian, don't you realize the worldly concerns that we listed, all those things that used to bother us, they don't satisfy you, right? Getting a bigger house never makes you, made you happy. Only made your mortgage bigger, but it never made you happy, right? Like, as a Christian, you know this. Those things never brought lasting joy, and if you know that, that's what it means to be alive in Christ. Even the sinful things. I, I mentioned pornography, what a sin this has become, infecting so many people, men and women. Those sexual thoughts, those impure things always left you feeling what? Shame. 
shame, guilt, left you feeling insecure, hopeless. And so if you're listening to me and you're honest with yourself and you say, you know what? I'm still seeking those things. I'm still setting my mind on earthly things. And if you think you're a Christian, I have to ask the question, really? Like, really, you have been raised? And I say it with love because, because to be raised means that you have first died. It means that you have first died. As Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's not Ian anymore. It's not the Ian you, you knew. It's Christ who lives in me. This is why we, we must change, church. This is why our thought life has to change because you've died to those things and now we focus on things above. So if you do this, okay? Remember I, the big idea. If you do this, if you change your thought life and set your mind on Christ, I want you to see how it affects your heart. Look at verse 3. Look at verse 3 again. Once you have died, look what happens. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Okay? Your life is hidden. So when we think of the word hidden, we often think about like keeping something a secret, right? Like you can't see it. And in some ways, that's true of what, 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 he's, what Paul's saying here. Because Christ, can, can any of you see Christ today? He's unseen to us, right? You can't see him with your eyes. He is hidden from our sight, and so too is your spiritual life. When you look at me, you don't see my spiritual life, right, which is seated with Christ. You only see the physical me, right, today. But that's not what Paul means when he says hidden. What he means is you are secure. That's what he means. He means that you are eternally safe. This language, using the word hidden, it's borrowed from the psalmist. If you look at Psalm 27, verse 5, David says it. For God will hide me. There it is. Hide me where? In his shelter in the day of trouble. That's what he means. To be hidden is a, is, 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 is a way to express security. This is better than the strongest security system you can find. Right? This is your life is being kept in the God of the universe, Christian. Your life is being kept there where no one is able to snatch you from the Father's hand. Just think about that. No one is, is there any place you would rather be, church? Right? If, when you look around at this world, at all the evil, where anything and everything can be taken from you. Isn't that true? Anything and everything can be stolen from you. Any safe can be broken into, and yet here you are hidden with Christ in God. Let that, let that dwell on you for a moment. You are hidden in God. And so why am I, you know, hammering this home? Because the, the application is, why are you anxious? What are you bothered, what are you worried about? What is so bothersome to you that's causing you to be so sad as a Christian? so anxious as a Christian when your life is hidden with Christ in God. What is it? And not only that, look at verse 4, the last verse, verse 4. He says, And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Okay, that's hope, right? That's hope. We'll get to that in a second. But I want to say this first. Um, you know, after a car accident... When there's a massive car accident, the car is totaled, okay? Um, what do people say 
the people who survived the car accident. They say, life is what's most important, right? Things can be replaced. Your car can be replaced, right? Even if your house burns down, your house can be replaced. But people, your life, nothing is more important than that. Have you heard that? People in the world say that? And I want to tell you that as a Christian, I agree. Your life is most important. It's the, it's the most important thing you have is your life. But yet Paul tells us, what is the Christian's life? What is it? In verse 4. Maybe not for you guys. What is it? Christ! Christ is your life. That's what he says here. That's the parenthetical thought. He's saying Christ is your life. For the Christian, your life is, all it is, is Christ. It's that simple. That's it. There's nothing else. And I wanted, I'm, I'm saying this because for some of you, me saying this, Christ is your life, is probably the most freeing thing I can tell you this morning. Because you have made your life about so many other things that you're worried about. So the world has told you, you need to be worried about your future, your career, your spouse, your wedding, your your house, everything. And you have all these things the world has told you should be your life. And yet here Paul says, no, Christ is all. Christ is it. That's it. There's not, it's the most freeing thing in the world. As Paul says in Philippians 1 verse 21, for me to live is Christ. That's it. And to die is gain. Which brings us to that second thing that, that fills our hearts. What fills our hearts? When you set your mind on Christ and things above, here's the second thing you will get in your heart um, that you can't get anywhere else. It's hope. Okay? I want you to look at the end of verse 4. Paul says that when Christ appears, which means, remember I told you today you can't see Jesus, right? He's in heaven. He's returning one day. We believe that. Second coming, he will return physically, visibly. But today he's hidden. But one day at his second coming, he will become visible again. He will be revealed to all flesh. Everyone will see him for who he is. And when that day comes, here's the hope. You are going to appear with him. You. Does that that blow your mind? Like you, the Christian, what a hope we have. That when Jesus returns, you will be with him in a glorified body for eternity. You know, when you look in the mirror today and you see and you lament how your body is aging, right? I'm aging, you're aging, right? I've seen it every week for the last several years, right? <laughs> We're all a- by, by disease or by decay. I want you to remember, even when your makeup can't hide it anymore, that you are going to have a glorified body one day, which is fashioned and fitted for an eternity with God. And you know, I, I'll just mention this as a side, side thought. Um, all the things that bring you pleasure on this earth, right? All the things that you love and you're like, I want to do this instead of spending time with God. I want to do this. I, I'm focused on this thing. This brings me so much happiness. Do you know that your capacity to experience those pleasures is limited by your body? Do you know that? which means that when God glorifies your body, you're going to experience pleasures and things that you have never, ever even known today. Do you know that? No eye has seen, no ear has heard what Christ, what God has prepared for those who love Him. Right? It's amazing. 
And if you get this hope into your heart, it will change how you live. As I conclude, um, I want to tell you something. My son loves cars. And most of you know, if, you, if you've had any conversation with him more than like a minute, you will realize that all he talks about is cars, cars, cars. And before you judge him, remember that there are some of you here who are much older than him who are still in that same obsession. But what we talk about, what comes out of our mouth, what comes most naturally to you, what you spend most time doing, what you spend your energy and your money on, speaks to what is in your heart. It speaks to what is in your thoughts. It'll come out. And so as we conclude, remember, this was never a sermon about how you should live. That's not what we focused on, how you should change your behavior. This was about your thought life. This was because um, if you change your thought life, it'll change how you live. Um, I want to speak to two groups as I close. If you feel this morning that honestly, just be honest with yourself. You don't have to be, like, just with yourself. My whole life, my mind is set on earthly things, right? All the things you mentioned, that's basically how I live my life, right? Christ is not my life. He's barely even an afterthought, okay? If that's you today, I want to tell you as lovingly as I can, you really haven't died to sin. You haven't. You have not been raised with Christ. You are still conforming to the world. And so to you, I want to say, like what Paul is saying, Christ is returning. Did you notice in verse 4, it didn't say, if Christ returns. What did it say? When. It's, not, it's a matter of when. And that window of grace is closing. And so my appeal to you is, um, believe in Christ today. Die to your sins. Die to these. They don't bring you happiness. They don't bring lasting joy. And God will raise you to new life in Jesus. So if that's you, please reach out to us after the service. We'd love to share more with you. And then finally, to the Christians in the room, and I know there's many of you here who you are, you are trying every day to set your mind on things above. It's a struggle, but you're trying to. And so my encouragement to you, just like verse 1 said, keep seeking. Don't think it's a one-off that you did it and it's done and you're good. Keep seeking. It's a daily pattern. Let the security you have being hidden, hidden in God, let the hope that you have, right, that Jesus, when he returns, he's going to bring you with him. Let that come into your heart when you're faced with anxiety. I know many Christians who are struggling with anxiety, and maybe you are too anxious thoughts or depressed thoughts, sadness. Maybe some things have happened in your life that have just left you feeling so scarred emotionally. And more than any CBT that the world can offer you, this is what God offers. He says, let your thoughts be consumed by this and see how it strengthens your heart. See how it comforts you. Our Savior is there, right? Our Savior is there. Our home, our ultimate home is there. So I'm, I'm going to ask you as I did when we began, what are you thinking about? What are you thinking about? Let's pray as we close. Father, I just, um, I thank you, God, that 
even though many times we set our mind on earthly things, I thank you that by your grace you forgive us, you take our sins and you punish Jesus, your son. He pays for them so that we can go free. So God, you know the state of our thought life. No one knows, Father. This is a very private, personal thing, our thought life. No one really knows what I'm thinking, what, what you're thinking, or he's thinking, or she's thinking. But you see all things. Help us, oh God. If there are Christians in the room who have died to, to sin, help us, oh God, to keep seeking you, to keep setting our mind on you. And when we're faced with anxieties and, and depression from this world, help us, oh God, to combat those thoughts with the hope and with the security we have in Christ. And for those who are still seeking the things of this world, things of this earth to bring them happiness, oh God, give them, help them to see the truth that those things will never, ever, ever be enough. We were made to have relationship with you. So if there's anyone, oh God, who is tired who is tired of being consumed by all the things the world throws at them, I pray that they would be moved to reach out, to reach out for you, knowing that when they reach out in faith, you will save them. You will raise them with Christ and give them a new hope and a new security. So we thank you and we love you. And as we sing this song, Father, as we look ahead to um, heaven and the things that are above, fill us with joy and expectation and let our thoughts dwell on this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.